Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, welcome to River Valley. Uh, you can be opening your Bibles for, to First uh, Peter chapter 3 today. I do want to uh, start out with an announcement. This is a, actually an announcement from my wife. Uh, so actually, not, I'm delivering it, but it's from my wife. Uh, I actually have a pretty lenient wife. Like, she would let me get a tattoo. My wife would let me get an entire sleeve of tattoos. She's fine. My wife would let me get a motorcycle. No problem. Uh, my wife has never allowed me to grow a beard, ever. And so, so for the last probably five years, I have tried to get her to let me do No Shave November uh, with zero luck. And uh, I have worn her down this year. I put in, like way earlier, I put a, a note in my phone uh, for Thursday, last day to shave. And, uh, and so, so I asked my wife, please, and she was like, I'm not kissing you. And I was like, well, maybe having a beard is better than kissing. I don't know. I've never had one. And so she said, okay, well, you can try this time. And, uh, but she wants you to know, here's the announcement. She wants you to know that she sees this two-day growth and she thinks it's ugly and she doesn't want it to reflect on her. Okay. <laughs> she, she's like, she just makes sure that they know that, that you, uh, you know, like I disapprove of it too. So that's, that's her announcement uh, for you. So did, did, did I do it right? So she, <laughs> she, she's actually in this service. <laughs> so here's what's funny about that. A segue to the uh, sermon today is today we're talking about marriage. So yeah, they're like, wow, that's a crazy Jesus in the details kind of a moment. So we're going to talk about marriage. Now, marriage is always uh, timely at River Valley I mean, so, uh, to learn and to refocus, even if you have a good marriage. Uh, what I find interesting about uh, the teaching about marriage in First Peter is how oddly placed it seems. Here's a book of the Bible that's preparing you and I for persecution that may come in the future. So we're getting ready for persecution, and then the Bible says, oh, don't, whatever you do, though, don't forget to make sure you have a strong marriage. That seems oddly out of place to me, uh, you know, to, to think about marriage when you're getting ready for persecution. Here's what I think is going on, and here's why I think Peter does this. So I was a, I was a, a psychology major in college, and one of my professors, his wife was a full-time uh, professional counselor, did counseling all, all of the time. He brought her in one day so that we could talk to her about what it, you know, what it looked like from a practical perspective. Somebody asked her an in interesting question. Tell us about your, your normal day. Tell us about what you do in your normal day. And it had honestly never dawned on me because I wasn't trying to be a counselor. I just wanted to understand people. It had never really dawned on me that all a counselor does all day long is hear problems. I mean, people unload on a counselor their problems. No one ever says, hey, I won the lottery. I got to go to counseling. That, that never happens. It's never, you, you know, instead it's just bad, 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 bad. And so she's talking about her day and all of the things. That, and you could just feel the heaviness from what she did. And, and, and it was overwhelming. And you think, oh my goodness, what a hard job that is. Then someone asked a follow-up question, which I thought was a brilliant question. Somebody said, how are you able to do that? 
Like, how are you able to, anybody could do it for a day or maybe a week, but for a job and a career every day for people to pile on top of you, their problems, how are you able to sustain that? She, she was very likable, and you could tell she loved her job, and she said, I'll tell you exactly how. She said, I have a great marriage. She said, I know that at the end of the day that I'm going to go home to a husband, to a home that is life-giving to me. And I go home and I get filled up with joy and comfort for my husband, for my children. I go home to this wonderful environment, and God allows me to, to, to empty myself during the day because I know I can go home at night and be filled up from this great marriage. And she said, that's how I'm able to do that. And I thought to myself when I was looking at First Peter, listen, the world may persecute you, and you don't have any choice about that. But what if you could go home in the midst of persecution and think, I can't wait till five o'clock because I'm going home and my home is a home of peace. My home is a home of life-giving joy with my spouse. What if I could go home and even in the midst of really tough circumstances that are out there that I have no control over, guess what? I do have control over what's in here. And in here, I'm going to have a good life. In here, I'm going to have a life-giving uh, marriage. I think that's what Peter's trying to do. He's trying to help us understand that even though bad things happen, your home can be an environment of great joy. Now, if you're here today and you're married, but you know, sometimes the spouse has to stay home, you got a sick kid, or they're working today or whatever, don't go home and say, he said you need to watch this sermon and learn this stuff, all right? It's really important. So, because here's the reality, in a marriage even if one of the, the participants, the husband or the wife, learns the lessons that we're going to teach today from the Bible and goes home and apply them, you will have a much better marriage. If one of you does those, you will have a much better marriage. And ultimately, you can't make your spouse do anything. But secondly, here's the, here's the uh, Texas vernacular, if y'all will both work on it, if y'all will both do it, then you can have home, go home and have a great marriage. You can greatly improve your marriage if one of you does this. If both of you go home and do this, you can go home and have a great marriage. And the Bible wants to teach us how to do that. So we're going to do this in sections. The Bible addresses wives first and then husbands. So we're going to do it in that order. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1. In the same way, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their lives, their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear intimidation. So this phrase that we're going to capitalize on as is the, is the key idea in marriage is actually going to be in both the husbands and the wives, but I'm going to talk to the wives first. The very first phrase in this text is, in the same way. He just, in the passage before, described the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, in the same way. So what he's saying as starters, as the cornerstone of an idea of marriage is that women or wives Jesus is your example of how to act in a marriage. 
Jesus is your example of what to do in marriage. Even though Jesus was never married, he is the perfect example for you as a wife. Even though he is a man and you're a woman, he's the perfect example for you in what to do in marriage. Now, I think there's a relational aspect that we can really capitalize on to help us understand that. I want you as wives to think, okay, I'm Jesus. I'm like Jesus in this situation. And you want to think and concentrate on the relationship with Jesus ha- that Jesus has with God the Father. God the Father and Jesus. You are Jesus in that relationship because I think it really helps us unfold how to do this uh, uh, marriage well. So in your relationship with your husband, think of Jesus' relationship with God the Father. There is equality in the Trinity. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit all have complete power, complete knowledge, complete control. It's not that God the Father has more power than God the Son. He is fully God at all times. But he chooses to show a relational aspect of how he relates to God the Father by submitting his will to God the Father. They are equal in every way, but he willingly submits himself to God the Father. Think about it. Jesus goes to the cross. The night before the cross, Jesus says, God, if it's possible, he's talking to the Father, if it's possible, have this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't want to die on the cruel cross if it's not necessary. I don't want to go through this suffering and pain. But then he says, but not my will, but yours be done. So he's showing that you see that they're equal, but he's willingly submitting himself to God the Father. In the same way, the Bible talks about in relationship uh, with the husband that the wife is to submit herself to the leadership of the husband. I want to show you a specific verse that explicitly says this. Ephesians 5.22 says the same thing. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23 says the reasons. Because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So just like God the Father and Jesus, there is complete equality within marriage, but there is an order of decision. There is an order of the way that they operate in their functionality. And so in the same way, that happens within wives. And that's why he's able to say the word that makes you're so nervous about saying uh, in, in context is you are as wives to submit to your husband. Now, what I found funny about me thinking about preaching this passage, I've preached this passage a lot over the years, so I was a lot more comfortable with it. But last week, I had a, uh, a sermon focus group to make sure that I presented the text just right. I really thought I should have had another sermon focus group with all wives and be like, can I say, y'all won't boo me? And, uh, you, you know, can I, can I say submit and you won't boo me? You're like, well, we'll see. Uh, let's see what we're looking at here, all right? So here's the deal. I wish that you knew my wife. I wish that you knew my wife in this instance. Some of you do. Most, most of you probably don't. And the reason I wish you knew my wife is because she completely submits to me. I mean, she really and truly does. And some of you, what I'm afraid that when you hear that word and you understand that she submits to me, that you think, because you don't know her, that you think, like I, we have this kind of relationship where I'm like, hey, woman, you, you know, or, or, or where you would go out in public and see her and be like, hey, and you'd be like, ah. you, you know, like she's mousy, she's weak, you know, like I'm the big boss, and she, and that's so not true. If you jumped out in public and scared her, she wouldn't go, ah, she'd punch you in the face, all right? So, 
She is a strong woman. She is a strong woman. I mean, really strong. I, I, I mean, and so for me to sit here and portray submission, my concern is that you're going to think that I just have this little, you know, mousy thing of a wife that I boss around all the time. Women hate to be bossed around. They don't mind to be led well by men who understand spiritual leadership. They hate to be bossed around. And so when I talk about submission, I am not talking about, the Bible says, lord it over them. You know, like, I'm in charge. You listen to me. That, that is not what Jesus is talking about in this text. He is talking about willingly submitting yourself uh, to the authority of your husband. This is the way it works out in a really, really practical sense. Um, most of the time within discussions within your marriage, uh, it should be like a fine-tuning of the details, not a decision of what you need to do. Most of the time. The reason is, is because you have a shared vision. If you have a shared vision, then most of the time, the next steps to get towards that vision are fairly obvious or will become obvious within the, the context of the, the discussion. When they don't, most of the time it's because you have different visions. And so she's like, oh, no, I think we should do this to get here. And he's like, oh, no, I think we should do this to get here. Well, we're trying to go separate places. Most of the time that's what happens. When you do have a shared vision and you disagree with how to get there, again, very, very seldom that's actually happened within uh, my marriage. Very, extremely seldom uh, that that, is, that has happened. Uh, then there is that moment where you have, you know, not my will, but yours be done, as Jesus did. It's a submission. Where I find Christian women who make the biggest mistake on this is that they want to do it so well is they don't put their input into the marriage, into the decision-making, and that's a huge mistake, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. So I'll have a wife come up to me and say, you know, I need you to pray for me. What about, well, my, my husband has decided to sell everything that we own and invest all of the money in a monkey farm in Guatemala. And uh, I was like, well, that sounds a little risky. She's like, yeah, I don't think we should do it. Well, what did he say when you said that? Well, I didn't tell him. I just want to submit. I just, and I'm like, whoa that's, whoa, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. All right, he is not saying that you just, without any kind of, of input, that you just make these arbitrary decisions as a man. That's the, in fact, that's foolish. That's not what Jesus did with the Father. Jesus said, if it, if it pleases you, I don't want to go to the cross, but not my will. He, he expressed his idea. He expressed it, and God the Father heard it and considered it. He was like, no, this is, this is what we are doing. Made a decision within that. You need to express your opinion. You have, you have uh, gifts, you have talents, you have perspectives that he doesn't have, and you need to put those regularly in. And it's a fool of a husband who doesn't consider his wife's uh, advice and thoughtfulness. It's a fool of a husband who does that. So please, please don't understand that that's what we're, uh, we're talking about in submission. I also think in just a moment, if you'll like delay decision, if you've never heard this concept, if you'll delay decision for just a second and you were to hear how the husband is to act, the type of person that you would submit to, you will willingly submit to that person. Uh, so delay action on that. But we are, he says, first of all, just like Jesus, you're to submit yourself. And then he gives this, 
uh, that if you read it, I hope some of you were like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm a big sinner. Because he said, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles or wearing gold jewelry. Well, what does that have to mean? Because if it means exactly what it says, I don't know that we have like elaborate hairstyles these days. I don't don't know. Uh, You you know, I mean, but you still work on your hair. You still fix it in, in the morning. But also, I mean, I'm guessing... All of you are wearing some kind of jewelry this morning, even if it's just little earrings or, you know, a wedding band or something. Well, what's Jesus talking about there? Are you like sinners? Yes, you are. You should drop those rings in the offering plate on the way out, all right? And so we'll, we'll gladly take that sin from you, uh, you know? Well, that, that, that can be what it means uh, in, the, in the literal sense of the word. It's portraying, we need to understand contextually what's happening in their day so that we can apply it within our day. Because it does have application, but it doesn't have direct uh, uh, context. So in those days, the women who, this is a much simpler time. This would have been a woman who dressed up, uh, you know, in in elaborate things, only for extremely special occasions, weddings and things. Maybe one piece of jewelry that was not worn on a daily basis. Uh, basis. And so what he's talking about here is prostitutes. Prostitutes, some of you, I just saw some of you were like, well, he just said that. Uh, yeah, you know, like right there. Yeah, I literally saw that. That was awesome. Uh, so, um, what, what, prostitutes so that they can have the attention of men dress a certain way, dress to, uh, uh, you, you know, beautify and objectify their bodies. Now, I don't think that, that we have uh, a big problem in River Valley is a lot of our women uh, dressing up like prostitutes. I don't think that's a huge, huge thing. I uh, thank God, right? Uh, but I do, I do think that that we need to be really careful with this one. Uh, what I'm seeing more and more within society, you don't see it right now because it's starting to get cold. You will see it big time during the spring and the summer. Uh, is um, uh, especially with with younger generations, is women who wear clothes that show their stuff. Uh, and uh, and they're, they're, they show part of their stuff. And, 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 uh, and, and, and you know, like, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, and, so, um, and what happens is, is, that, is, is that God gave you that stuff. And let's be honest, men like that, the, the stuff. Uh, uh, and we, we want to see it. But, but God gave you that stuff for your husband. Uh, God, I don't believe that God gave you your stuff to show and to advertise to the world. I believe he gave it to you for your husband. Husbands like to see the stuff. Show your husband the stuff. All right? Uh, Men, that would be a great point to go, amen, write that down. All right? (laughs) Trying to help a brother out, and you guys are like, I can't believe he's saying this. Right? I mean, uh, so, so. And, and so in this day, you've got these, you, you've got women who, who are portraying this in a certain way. What the Bible is saying is like, don't, don't, don't let that be um, for the world. The, 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 that's, that's uh, you know, a, 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 a prostitute does that to advertise what they want. I'm also seeing this greatly within even women who don't do that, but they allow their teenage daughters to do that. Like, I get it. Like, everyone else is doing it. The, the whole point, uh, a lot of the point of First Peter is like, we don't act like the world. They should see a difference. So the argument of everyone's doing it ought to be the argument that everyone's doing it, therefore I shouldn't, uh, as far as biblical Christianity goes in the way that we dress. But I hear these moms, and they're, they're so cute, and they have such a good figure, and that's, that's totally true. 
but it's totally inappropriate within the world. It's totally inappropriate within the world. Help your uh, daughters uh, to be conservative uh, in, in, in that. The other way that, that this text applies to us is think about how long it takes a woman to get ready versus a man. Listen, men, if, if, if your wife can get ready faster than you, something's wrong with you. All right? I mean, you, you've got to cut back on the manscaping, seriously. Uh, like, that's just, I mean, I'm just, I can't imagine, like, it even being a close razor. Like, it's down to the wire. No, our job is to get ready and to go and to sit in the car and to honk the horn to really kind of speed them up. That works great. I'm, marriage book coming out soon. Uh, so, right, like, it takes much longer, and that, that's, that's fine. But the idea that he's talking about here is like, hey, don't get so wrapped up in this outer beauty of your hair. You know, for us in our day, hair and makeup and jewelry, that we forget what is inside, what is in the heart. You know what he's saying here? Listen, it's, it's fine to beautify yourself. That, that's totally fine. But don't beautify the outside and never beautify the inside for the Lord. Don't spend so much time on Sunday morning getting the outside ready for others to see that you neglect the inside for who you come to worship in Jesus. That is a godly woman. A godly woman, sure, you, you know, you want to look your best, and that is part of, you know, a woman's beauty is part of the image of God. God is beautiful. Men, men don't have that. Women show some of the beauty of God. So it's a wonderful thing. But don't forget, God looks at the heart. Beautify your heart so your focus cannot be so much on the outside that you forget the inner parts of your heart. Now, he's going to give us an interesting illustration here that is so helpful for those of you who are saying, I should submit to my husband, but my husband is not worthy of me submitting. What about my husband who's, you know, maybe not a believer or not here today or, or uh, uh, has, has really not, uh, has neglected me in certain ways? What about that? He gives this example of Sarah and Abraham. Sarah and Abraham, and it says specifically that Sarah served Abraham and even called him Lord. Now, getting ready for this, I read my wife that, and I said, listen, I'm a humble man. You don't have to call me Lord. Oh, great one is fine. Uh, I, I just, I want you to know, all right? So that's fine, all right? So she's showing her willing submission of that from doing that. Now, here's what's, what's interesting, because you can think, well, of course, if I was married to Abraham— I mean, Abraham's up on the, the Mount Rushmore of Old Testament people. I mean, he is the father of the faith. He's a righteous. The Bible says he is righteous. He is a good man. So you're like, I could follow that, but not my husband. Oh, really? Go home and read Genesis chapter 20. Interesting story. Abraham and Sarah are walking along one day, and a king notices Sarah because she's beautiful. And the king can take Sarah if he wants to. Abraham gets afraid that the king, if they find out they're married, he'll be like, I'll solve that, and he'll just kill Abraham and take her anyway. So Abraham looks at Sarah and says, let's just tell everybody that you're my sister, not my wife. And she's like, uh, excuse me? Uh, yeah, you know, like, and, and so the king comes up and says, hey, who's that? Oh, this is my sister, Sarah. Oh, great. I'll take her as my wife. And Abraham's like, 
Yeah, sounds good. And lets her go, like doesn't, like doesn't tell. And so the king takes her. The, the Lord stops the king before he gets to the bedchamber. And the Lord says, do not do this. If you do this, if you take her into your bedchamber, I'll kill you and I will decimate your kingdom. And the man talks to God and he's like, what have I done? And God says, that's his wife. And he's like, that joker told me that that was his sister. And God goes, I know, I'm working on it. All right, so I'm, I'm trying to deal with it. All right, he's a weenie. All right, he's a big weenie, and uh, he's scared, and so he's willing to let his wife go through this horrible ordeal to protect himself, and so he stops him, and the guy goes, I didn't know, and God says, I know, I know, and so he lets him go, and then the guy comes back to Abraham and says, why did you do that? And Abraham's like, I was afraid, you know, like, I mean, it's like the epitome of just a big, huge weenie, and, uh, and and I, I, I think about that. So God saved them in that moment. But I think about that. Like, how do you think that next leg of the trip was for Abraham and Sarah? I bet there was about three days of silence. And I bet you Abraham at some point was like, are you going to talk to me again? And Sarah was like, oh, I'm sorry. Are you talking to me, the wife, or me, the sister? Right? <laughs> you know, like, here, here we go, right? And listen, this is a horrible, this is a... a, a this is a man who sinned badly, who sinned badly, but she puts him in a place of honor knowing, okay, he's not everything he needs to be, but I can help him to get there. I can treat him not always the way that he does, but in the way that God wants him to be. There's power in your words as wives. There's, now, I'm not saying you don't call out problems. Please don't. But there is power in your words. And they, he gives this example. Proverbs 31 gives the same example. It's all about the wife and her actions. But because of the wife and her actions, you know what's happened? The husband sits at the city gate. So that woman took that man from whatever he started at. Now he's an elder in the town. He would have been financially prosperous. He would have been honored in the city. He would have been a leader in the city. Why? Because her words and her actions took him there. Men, we must learn to acknowledge that so much of our success is wrapped up in the fact that our wives have been there for us. That's a good place to say amen. There you go. All right. So I'm telling you, your success as a man has so much to do with your wife and the way that she has done things and the way that she has willingly submitted. So, so make sure and do not forget that. All right. So let's look at husbands. Husbands chapter uh, 3 verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So husbands, it starts out again, in the same way. Who is our example in how to act in marriage? Jesus. We are to look to Jesus. We are to act like Jesus within our marriage. Now I'm going to give you a different relationship that you ought to think about within your marriage relationship. You are still, think of yourselves like Jesus, but think of how Jesus treated the church. Think of how Jesus loved the church, the people, uh, you and I, who he died for and he served. So the Bible says that we are the the. the the headship of our wife, but we are to serve her like Christ served the church. Christ loved the church so much that he died for them. 
that he died for us, that he willingly gave up his own rights, his own, what he could do so that he could serve the church. Frankly, one of the problems in America today is too many Americans are going into marriage thinking fulfillment, thinking, I need you to fulfill me. I need you to help me. If you go into marriage thinking about fulfillment, you're going in for the wrong reason. You go into marriage thinking service, thinking I will serve you all the days of my life. I will willingly subject myself to less so that you can have more to build you up into what God intends for you. Now, I hope you'll do that for me as well, but I had no guarantees. Better or worse, I choose to love and honor you all the days of my life. If you think fulfillment, you're thinking incorrectly. Marriage can be extremely fulfilling when both people think service. I serve the other person. Jesus served the church. Now, it says specifically how we're to do this. We live with them in first and number one, in understanding. We're to serve our wives in understanding. There's actually, you know, I go to bookstores all the time. I love books. And there's actually a book, and it's titled, um, Everything I Know About Women. It's a pretty thick book. And when you open it up, all the pages are blank on the inside. <laughs> like, you know, like there's nothing in there written by this man. And there's nothing in there. And that's always kind of the joke of men. Like, women are so different from us. Who can understand them, right? Like, like who can figure this thing out, right? Like, I don't have any knowledge of that. Listen, they are vastly different from us in so many ways. And I'm so thankful for that. I am so thankful for that. And our job as men is to understand our wives. If you, I mean, it is a, is a funny thing, but if you just kind of like, well, who can, who can figure this thing out? Then you're not being godly. We are to understand. We are to try to understand who she is, what she feels like, how she operates. So how, how can we do that? So let me give you a few. Number one, learn to communicate with emotion with emotion. I grew up in West Texas where the men are not afraid of anything except their own emotions. I mean, they are terrified in West Texas of sharing emotion, of showing emotion, of being vulnerable in that way. And that's one of the ways that we connect in a soul level with our wives is to learn to communicate with emotion in thoughtfulness of what she feels and sharing with her what we feel. Now, you might not be good at this at first. Many of us aren't. Men tend to be stronger physically, but women are much stronger emotionally. They are much more in tune with the way they are feeling and what emotion that is and then the way that it communicates and the ramifications, good and bad, of that. We don't tend to do that. Here's how you know you don't understand emotion well. When you respond with harshness or with anger, you don't understand emotion. You're fighting against your emotion because you're afraid of being vulnerable. So what do you do? You go with what you know. Well, I can, my, you know, I can give, raise my voice and I can make, and make her, because I'm physically bigger, I can make her bow down because, and I can be angry or harsh, but that's not really what's happening. What's really happening here is I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my emotion. I'm afraid of what, I'm afraid that I feel vulnerable right now, or, you know, I'm a man, but I don't feel strong right now. I'm, I'm worried. I'm sad. I'm scared right now. Listen, you've got to learn to share those within your relationship. 
You've got to learn to ask your wife and not just try to like literally understand and feel what she's feeling. And that is, it's the way that we under, we are emotional beings, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And we've got to learn how to connect in this way emotionally. And when you share this, both, both sides of you, I, I just want to tell you to be so cautious. Don't share it outside of the marriage unless there's express per- permission. Don't share this emotion. And what I'm saying is, like, don't tell other people and be very, very guarded, especially with the opposite sex, of sharing this type of deep emotion outside of the marriage. So don't tell other people. My wife knows uh, some really personal, intimate things. In fact, uh, she, she knows everything. Uh, she knows more than any, and, and I share with her, like, I'm, uh, I'm really struggling right now, or this is what I'm, and you know, I'll be like, I'm struggling. She'll be like, okay, tell me what's going on. Tell me why. Tell me, because you know, she wants to know, and, and, but I don't want her telling you guys that. I don't want to share that in the world. That, that's, man, I, I'm not there. I'm not there. So we've got to learn how to share those things, man. It's way, one of the ways that we help our wives understand us and that we understand our wives. Number two way to understand is to learn and practice her love language. Learn and practice her love language. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. You don't have to read the whole book. You can just Google The Five Love Languages, and there'll be about a page article somewhere that you can pick up. It's really easy to learn, but it's extremely, extremely helpful. And the idea is, is everyone shares love, but they share it in a way that they want to be loved. And we've got to learn to share love in the way our spouse wants it. So uh, one of the love languages is uh, uh, gifts. My wife is not a big gift person. Um, and so, like I've tried over the years, uh, you know, like, like bring her flowers. That's just not a big deal for her. She doesn't care. Uh, she'd just rather have the 20 bucks, honestly. Uh, so one time I was like, well, maybe I'll, I brought her like a, a really, instead she said she didn't like, uh, she didn't like uh, flowers. So I brought her a, a, like a nice plant for the house, like a potted plant. And uh, uh, she didn't care about gifts at all. So she named that plant uh, the I'm a jerk plant. And uh, so everybody would be like, oh, that's, that's a nice plant. And she's like, yeah, that's Cody's I'm a jerk plant. And, uh, and she's like, and so she's not really very good with watering and stuff. So I watched the I'm a jerk plant kind of start to die, but I didn't tell her and I didn't honor it because I wanted that thing to go away. Because uh, so, but my wife, so my wife's not big on, on gifts, but she is big on quality time. She wants to be together. She wants to do things together. I remember getting married and like, she goes, hey, I'm going to H-E-B. Do you want to go? And I thought, well, no. I mean, why, why should both of us be punished in this way, right? Like you have obviously done wrong and, and, and God is smiting you. You go to the grocery store. I'm staying home and watching football, you know? And, uh, but I knew what she was saying was it wasn't the activity. It was the time together. And so I remember saying, oh, okay, let, let's, let's do that. Uh, let's go to AGB together. And uh, she's got me so well trained that, that now if I come home and there's HEB bags on, the, on the, the counter, I'll be like, you went to the grocery store without me? Well, you don't love me? What's wrong? Yeah, you know, so, so you got to learn this. You got to learn what the, the, what the gifts are. Listen, and don't say I have, all of us like all of the gifts, but don't say I have all five love languages. That makes you extremely high maintenance, all right? Well, nobody, nobody needs that, okay? Pick, pick, like if I had to pick one, I like all of them and certainly want to do all of them, but this is, this is the one. This is the one. Now, husband, if you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to figure it out? Here's a great idea. Ask them. 
<laughs> right? Number one, learn to communicate. Hey, here's, here's five love languages. Let's talk about them. Let's, which one do you think you are? Which one do you think I am? A lot of times our wives are more in tune with us than we are anyway. And uh, all the time, I'll, I'll at a restaurant, I'll look at my wife and I'll be like, do I like that? And uh, she, she'll say, yes, you do. I was like, okay, I'll take that waiter. I've decided. Uh, and so, you know, we got to learn. All right. The last one, the last way to understand is biblical leadership. Biblical leadership. You are the leader of the family. So let me give you another word. Initiation. Initiation. Leadership does not mean I'm in charge. I will decide. That's not what it means. Leadership is in, in, at its core is initiation. I see some things that need to happen. I might not even know what needs to happen. I just see that something needs to happen. Your wife wants to know that you're putting your heart and your mind not just in your work, but in the things of the home. You're coming and you're saying, hey, uh, how can I serve you? You know, like, how am I doing as a husband? Hey, here, I've noticed something about the children. Like, they're, they're starting to get a little bit unruly. Like, what, what, what do you think's going on? What can we do about those? Man, our finances, you know, like, it, it might be that she runs the finances. That's fine. But you want to be thinking about those things. What I see husbands all of the time doing, and they think they're doing their wife a favor, is instead of initiation, it's abdication. It's basically saying, you, and they think they're doing her a favor, just do whatever you want. You know, the kids are, just do whatever you think is best is fine. And you're just saying, hey, it's all on you. That's not freeing to a wife. That's incredibly burdensome. It's like, here's this really important thing in our life. You should go figure that out. I, I bless you. That's not helpful at all. No, we need to talk through these things. They want to know that our heart is with our children. Our heart is in that relationship. Our heart is in spiritual matters and how we should operate. And I want to have that. Now, you don't have to come with all the answers. It's a bad leader that does that. I mean, more than once in, in River Valley, I'm like, hey, we got a problem. What are we going to do about it? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Right? That's, that's good leadership. It's, it's fine. Like, but, but so you can, hey, I've noticed this. What do you think about that? Or I, because I, I, I literally don't know. And I, and I want to be a part of helping us together to come up with the solution and being a part of implementing that. I'm not going to abdicate my responsibility. Men, uh, so we're to understand them, and there's some practical ways. Uh, the second is to show honor. He says, we are to show them honor. Show them honor. We are to speak well of them, and we are to speak well of them to their face and to others, to show them honor. And so I have to walk a weird line uh, for this as pastor. Um, I want to honor uh, my wife, and I want to honor our marriage. And, and frankly, some of the reason is we've been married 24 years now, and we have a good marriage. Like, you could... You could learn from our marriage like we really, like we do. I, I believe that it's very important as a leader to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And you can learn some of those. What I don't want to do in doing that is like portray Melinda as perfect and our marriage as, as you know, always Shangri-La and wonderful. I don't, I don't want to do that because we are both sinners and we, we struggle at times with selfishness and, and I struggle with, with just all kinds of things. So I don't want to uh, make that where it's like, hey, I'm going to tell you all the good stuff. So I'll tell you a lot of the bad stuff of me. Uh, I won't tell you any of the bad stuff of her. That's her to deal with. But, but I need to learn, and you need to learn how to show honor in those moments. And I got a platform to do this, but, but, but so do you. 
One of the best ways, men, get alone with them, sit facing each other, look them in the eyes, and tell them this is what you are great at. This is what, and, and I mean like look them in the eyes. And I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do it here. First of all, she wouldn't like it here as much. Uh, I'm going to do it just like I'm asked. Just go and tell them, this is what I love about you. This is, I, so much of my success is this because of you. Show them honor because they are co-heirs. Again, marriage equality with that. Now, the Bible actually gives us a reason to do this. It says, so your prayers will not be hindered so your prayers will not be hindered think about this time they're about to go into persecution they're going to have lots of prayers god help me god you know in this but their prayers are going to be hindered if they're not doing what this verse just said within their marriage you want your prayers answered make sure you do what we just talked about in this marriage in in your marriage you want your prayers hindered don't be selfish and it's a great way to hinder your prayers you want to see the floodgates of heaven open in your connection, then you serve your wife well. Then you sacrificially, she is a co-heir. You say, you, we own it all, but you go first. You get the best. You get the first. It's what Jesus did when he suffered for them. And, and, and when we do that, it's a tremendous uh, gateway towards having our prayers answered. So here's what I want to do. I want you to uh, uh, bow your heads, and we're going to pray. If you're here with your wife, you know, do whatever y'all do to, to, or husband, you know, touch, hold hands, you know, grab a, grab a knee, put your arm around them, whatever that looks like for you. And we want to, I just want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, we are to serve our spouse, our wife, or our husband as you served the church. God, I pray for wives today. I pray for their holiness. God, I pray that they are adorned uh, not just on the outside, but I pray that they are adorned well on the inside. God, I pray that they would submit to their husbands. For who wouldn't want to submit to a man who is willing to die for them? Father, I pray that you would show them the beauty that is in Christ and the power they have in their words to lift and elevate their husband, to put him, to make him an elder at the city gate. Father, I pray for the husbands today that we would be like Jesus, that we would willingly sacrifice ourselves. God, that they would, we would always put our wives first. They get first, they get best. God, I pray that we would work towards understanding communicate emotionally to love them in the way that they want and need to be loved God God I pray that we would esteem them highly that we would show them honor face to face that we would show them honor in the community in the way that we talked about them and treated them God I pray that we would be different than the world that Christian marriages that if nothing else people would say man I don't believe in Jesus but I can't explain that marriage God, that it would be a picture, our marriage would be a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ who loved us, who gave himself for us. If you are not a believer today, then we are to serve like Christ served because he loved the church. He loved you so much that he willingly died for you on the cross. 
He put your needs ahead of his own. The cross was cruel and harmful, but Jesus willingly went to the cross so that your sins could be on that cross, so that he could bear that penalty, so that you could have a right relationship with God the Father. Today, if you've never asked Christ to be the Lord of your life, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. He willingly sacrificed himself. Father, thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you for um, our marriages. May they portray Jesus in wonderful ways. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship today. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.